Welcome, friends, to another edition of Economic Update, a weekly program devoted to the economic dimensions of our lives and those of our children. I'm your host, Richard Wolfe. As usual, I want to remind you that we now have a very well-functioning volunteer, Charlie Fabian, who is available at an email I'm about to give you. If you have suggestions, proposals, documents that you think we might be able to use to construct these segments on our program, please let Charlie know. Here's the email. charlie.info438 at gmail.com. Once again, charlie.info438 at gmail.com. Today's program is going to look at Harvard professor Gloria Golden, who just got the Nobel Prize in economics. We're going to have something to say about the spate of shootings, the big one in Maine that you all have heard about, and then the literal rampage of shootings across the Halloween uh, weekend. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Financial Secrecy Index, in case you haven't heard about that, and then have a few words to say about President Biden's proposal of a supplemental $106 billion for various military activities around the world on top of everything already spent there. In the second half of the program, we're going to be talking about the remarkable results of the United Auto Workers strike against the big three auto companies here in the United States, and then something also about the struggle around abortion. So a big program, let's jump right in. Claudia Golden has been a professor of economics for quite many years up at Harvard. And in 2023, she was awarded the Nobel Prize in Economics. In that same year, this year, she released a paper published at the National Bureau of Economic Research here in the United States, and with the interesting title, Why We Won. And she's talking about women and the women's movement, feminism broadly defined. As a professor and an economist, Claudia Golden is rightly famous for the enormous amount of research that she has undertaken and published for many years, devoted especially to the position of women in the United States economy. And she says, we won in the title of her paper, because she believes that women's equality has taken enormous forward strides over her lifetime and particularly over her time as an academic and a professor of economics. She points to the women in America having access to credit now that they didn't used to, to a whole spate of types of jobs and occupations from which they used to be excluded. This all happened in the 60s and 70s in particular. In other words, many decades after women had to fight for and get suffrage, the right to vote, it took many more decades before they got the right to borrow money, get a job, and so forth. Women's equality, she feels, has been won. She admits in the paper, why we won, that it doesn't apply to wages. Wages 
didn't particularly go up. And that made me pause when I read her paper and to realize, as I hope others do, not to quarrel with what she lists as having been won, but to ask honestly what was not won in and by women's struggles. You might think of it alternatively as what remains to be won or what more needs to be won. Let's go and look at it. Among boards of directors in the United States, the people who run major corporations, women amount to 29%, not the 50% or so that they are in the population, but 29%. Among CEOs of corporation, 31%. And among the political leaders in the United States, 24%. Meanwhile, women are still doing most of the housework most of the child rearing, and most of the emotional kinds of labor that hold families and communities together to the extent that they still do in this society. Stunningly present in the work of Claudia Golden is the absence of any attention to capitalism as a system. If she offers explanations for why women have achieved what they have or have been denied the achievements they still need, analyzing how capitalism as a system works, how it is woven together with the domination of male over female, paralleling that of white over non-white, there's not much that Claudia Golden is going to help us with. She particularly, therefore, is not interested in or attend to the question of whether competition for U.S. capitalism, particularly from the BRICS nations, China and China's allies, might lead capitalists to take away from women what they've won. And in case you think that's not possible, you have heard me on this program earlier talk, not today, but in previous sessions, talk about the resurgence of child labor. 18 states in the United States have taken steps or are in the process of doing that to make it possible for teenagers to work in many dangerous late night jobs across the country, taking advantage particularly of immigrant children who are doubly vulnerable. We thought we had taken care of child labor in this country over a hundred years ago, but here it is coming back because to compete, the business leaders tell us they need to be able to access child labor. And if they can do it to the children, they can do it to the women. You haven't made the changes that make all of these gains irreversible. And don't get me started on how voting is controlled in the United States to keep people who have gained the legal right to vote from actually being able to do so. I'm a product of Harvard University, so I don't want to leave the comment about Claudia Golden 
and her absence of consciousness of anything having to do with capitalism and its systemic problems for children, women, and everybody else. In that, she is like most of those at Harvard, those of who, who were my teachers and those who come before and since. The problem of ignoring capitalism is a problem of all major universities in this country and does no service at all as that capitalism is getting itself into deeper and deeper troubles and lacks the people with the exposure to the strengths and weaknesses of capitalism to be able to cope with what is happening. Let me turn next to that horrible story that came out of Maine a few weeks ago. A fellow shot up 31 people he didn't know. 18 of them were killed. The rest wounded, some badly. Over the Halloween weekend, another 11 people shot and killed, and many more shot and wounded. Okay, I'm not going to rehearse all of this. It happens so often in this country, unlike any other country, that we've all felt it, felt the pain of it, maybe known someone because it happened. This is over the 500 number of these mass shootings so far this year, and we got a good chunk of year left to go. I want to just offer one thought you may not have had as you've thought about this horrible American problem. For the last 75 years, America has been the dominant economic, military, and political power in the world. It's really only the last 20 years that that has been thrown into question by the rise of a new and different economic and political power, that of the People's Republic of China and its allies. But over the 75 years until that, the United States was dominant, no, nowhere more than militarily. And over that period of time, the United States undertook to use violence all over the place to solve problems. Here is a very short, tentative list. Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, Ukraine, Middle East, and I've left out many. Here's my point. If you live in a society that solves international problems by massive violence, why are we surprised if our citizens in disproportionate numbers find their way to using massive violence to deal with their own personal problems. It's as normal and natural as the famous apple pie. Why are we so surprised? Could it be that we don't want to interrogate why and how we use violence in the world outside our country? That's too painful a self-examination, so we choose not to think about it when answering or trying to answer the question, why are we the most murderous internal population on this planet? 
Great Britain has an important think tank. It's called the Tax Justice Network. And one of the statistics they keep is called the Financial Secrecy Index. They compare all the countries of the world according to the following. Does the country facilitate tax abuse, the, the evasion of taxes by its citizens? Does it engage in money laundry, taking illegally gotten money and running it through the financial system so you can't trace it, and so those who are doing the illegal act can escape detection? And finally, does the tax system somehow facilitate human rights abuses? And this year, for the first time, the United States ranks number one in the world, according to the British Tax Justice Network. And I thought you might be interested in the ranking of a few other countries. Switzerland is ranked number two. Singapore, number three. Hong Kong, number four. Luxembourg, number five. China, number 11. Who's keeping tax secrets from whom and where? Well, now you know. Last economic update for the first half of today's program. Mr. Biden wants another $106 billion for war. And he says the good news is it means more American jobs. There we have it, friends. We're going to provide jobs and we're going to admit we will be killing people to do it. We've come to the end of the first half of today's show. Please stay with us. I think you'll find the second half very, very interesting. Welcome back, friends, to the second half of today's economic update. In this second half, I want to do something I haven't done for a while that some of you have pointed out. I want to celebrate two enormously important people's victories, one here in the United States, one in Europe, one a victory of the labor movement, and the other one a victory of the women's movement. Why am I doing that? Before I get to the particulars, it's because I want people to understand that the period we are living through, like every other period, is full of contradictions. There are ways in which life is difficult. The news is depressing. The prospects, political and cultural, very much downers on many levels. I don't deny it for a minute, and I know you feel it. What is sometimes lost is to always remember that on the other side of the ledger, on the other side of the bad news, there is always good news. Maybe hard to come by. You may be hesitant to let yourself celebrate. Well, in that case, I want you to pay some attention now because I'm going to present you with very good news. 
not instead of, but alongside of, as the other half of the bad news. And don't be surprised if you didn't know much about this, because the forces in our country that depress you are also busy trying to keep you from the good news that depresses them. So here we go. I'm going to begin with the United States and the labor movement. As many of you will have guessed, I'm going to talk to you about the settlement won by the United Auto Workers in their strike against Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, which is now the parent company of what we used to know as the Chrysler Corporation. Many, many tens of thousands of workers were involved here. Three of the major corporations in our capitalist system were on the other side. What makes me call it a victory? And before I even list the items, I want you to know at the end, I'm going to talk about the other side of this victory because there are problems. Opportunities go with problems. Gains go with losses. If you hear only about one side, you're being told a half-truth. Keep it in mind. First, wage increases across the board are in the neighborhood of 30%. That is not a minor matter, to say the least. On top of that, these contracts include COLA, cost of living adjustment. In other words, 30% is the increase in wages. And on top of that, there will be increases if prices go up. In other words, these contracts recognize what really hurt the working class in the United States over the last 40 months, namely rising prices, which meant that your wages couldn't afford what they used to be able to afford. It hurt the working class this year and a half, two years of inflation, just like rising interest rates are hurting the working class now. Why the continuation of inflation between 3 and 4%, the official announcement, hurts. Wow. These contracts also brought new workers, particularly in electric battery for electric cars, part of the business, under the contract. Workers are getting benefits from a contract who were excluded from those benefits before. But there are many more achievements to talk about. This was a tough strike. It required super good organization. One factory was taken out. Workers walked out. Another one, they didn't. This one worked out later, lost fewer days of wages than others. There had to be trust of the workers for one another. There had to be trust of a labor leadership. That later union leadership had to win the trust in a very short time. The new leadership, and it is new, was voted in in March of this year. They had barely a matter of weeks to mobilize and strengthen a largely depressed, disoriented, defeated on many levels UAW from before. 
defeated by the inflation, by the crisis of 2020, by the crisis of 2008, and so forth. And this leadership that was able to mobilize a strike like this, a disciplined, careful, and ultimately very victorious, led by a new president, Sean Fain. And he doesn't talk like other presidents. He talks a very militant unionism. He kept referring to the labor unions, interspersing his sentences with the labor movement. Yeah, it's a social movement. He wants it to be. He wants it to be a movement about and in society as a whole, not only for the membership who work in auto plants. Here's a flavor of the kind of leader he represents, and he's part of a new generation of labor leaders. The new contract that they are about to vote on will end on April 30th, 2028. And he explained why the union insisted on that expiration date. Because the day after that union contract expires is May Day, he explained in his statement. International Day of and for the working class around the world. He wanted to identify his union, their victory, and the importance of what they've achieved as part of a resurging labor movement. And to make it clear that he meant that, he invited, he urged, he asked brother and sister unions around the country to also do what they've done, make their contracts expire on April 30th of the year 2028. And he said he wanted everyone to know why. Because then he said, we will have more power because it'll be many workers across many businesses in many industries that will act together. And then we can change what? No, he didn't hesitate. He said, we have to deal with all the problems of the working class, not just of our members. Wow. Time will tell us how genuine these statements are, how powerful the new direction of labor is. But these are extraordinary gains, and they need to be celebrated as a sign of what militant labor leaders can achieve, the unity, the power. They got from these auto companies what those auto companies said they could not and would never give. They gave. The bluff was called. The game was lost by them. And all of us who are partisans of the working class have every right to celebrate with them. Is there more to be done? Absolutely. I'm just going to give you a flavor. In Germany and in other parts of the world, labor unions have seats on the board of directors. It's the law in Germany. 
workers, members of the German Auto Workers Union, sit on the board of Volkswagen or BMW or any of the others. Think about that. That was won by workers' struggles. So was the national health care that they all enjoy. So was the fact that going to college in Germany is free. Yeah, 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 you heard it right. You pay for your room and your board. No tuition, no fees for anybody going to a university in Germany. And having lectured there, let me assure you, they're every bit as good as American universities, if not better. The working class needs more, no question. It needs to have the power to make sure the gains they won will not be taken away from them. Like I earlier pointed out, they're being taken away from children. My second update, and I wish I had even more time, is a social movement in France. It's the movement for access to abortion. And I want to tell you how it works there in France as a contrast to here, but even more to show you what can be won by concerted action in a society for social change. I'm going to tell you the end of the story before I tell you the story. The president of France, Emmanuel Macron, announced a few days ago that he will put with the parliament that he controls into the French constitution early next year an irreversible entitlement to French women's access universal access to abortion on demand at no cost. For those of you that do not know, that's already the case in France. Now a quick history for you to see how they got that. In 1975, they passed the first law that legalized abortion in France. And that law was made permanent, irreversible, in 1979. In 1982, they passed a law that required the health service, all French people are covered by a national health service, to reimburse the costs of abortion. 1988, the abortion pill, RU486, put on the market and has been there ever since. 1993. Passage of the Niernitz Law, making it a criminal offense to hamper anyone's access to abortion. 1999, the morning after pill, made available without prescription in every pharmacy. In 2000, further law authorized pharmacies to deliver without prescription and free of charge the morning after pill to women under 18 years of age. March 2013, abortion costs reimbursed at 100%. And next year, all of that will become an irreversible part of the French Constitution. That is a movement for access to abortion that has succeeded spectacularly. 
right-wingers, left-wingers, and those in the middle have to go along, like Mr. Macron, who's center-right in political terms in France. See what the labor movement achieved with the UAW. See what the French women's movement achieved in terms of access to abortion. Imagine with me now if we actually could get the unification of the labor movement and the social movements, all of them, the kind of power a unified movement would have given what these folks accomplished. Thank you for your attention. And as always, I look forward to speaking with you again next week.